For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Congratulations. You've just been handed a huge new opportunity. Bravo. With it comes the need for new skills. Skills you'll need to master in short order. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you develop the hard and soft skills it takes to succeed in new roles. This is your chance. Go. Start by going to hbs.me slash go. That's hbs.me slash go. Oh, man. Always so great to be hanging out on a Friday night doing Tech Vibe Radio with you, Audrey. Too much it fun. Is. Yeah. So sometimes I like taking the first segment, Audrey. I like to do the old what's on Audrey's mind routine. Because yeah. sometimes, I mean, you're always at the forefront of what's going on. You're behind the scenes on a lot of things happening in Pittsburgh's tech sector. You get to attend all the important meetings, crash the important meetings, do all the fun stuff at the important meetings. I'm usually just you know, hanging out at the council offices. Trying to I try to send you to them. You do. But if they have to go across a pond, I know. you will not go. I don't. Mm-mm. Okay. I'm well, just, then quit complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm just calling it out for what it is. <laughs> 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 yeah, so before we go out on air, you were kind of talking a little bit about well, some, some no, stuff. Well, no, I mean, listen, it's 2019. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of changes in the, in the United States. I don't want to have to have commentary right. on all those changes because that would take me more than the hour of a show. But what are the things that when I think about Pittsburgh and I think about the incredible just growth of everything tech and innovation across every vertical, across almost every market, which is really quite tremendous of an accomplishment. Because if you think of other cities like Minneapolis and, and even Boston, they have like certain strata. They got two or they three have, if they're lucky. But they're really deep. And we have this like this wide array of capabilities. But what's and we're attracting a lot of people from all around the world that are coming here to live, that are coming here to work, that are seeing multiple opportunities, not just going you know, to one place, um, Amazon stealing Google's people and, you know, people are going from NREC, as we saw last year, going over exactly. into these autonomous vehicle places. So we're seeing this, which makes it a very exciting and dynamic Definitely. dynamic um, community and city. But we still have flatline population growth. We still have a flatline there. People who scratch their heads and they go, what do you mean? I still scratch like, my why? head on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems like with everything going on, there's more coming right. in, but there's not. Right. But- what happens is, is that the people who are coming in that are between, that are highly educated, you know, that have like a master's or post-master's degree, are not, A, reproducing at the same rate ah. for the replenishment rate. The replenishment rate. It sounds horrible. We need more babies. Stat. We need more babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so we need more of a people replenishment. People are too busy working. Well, it could be a lot of things, right? <laughs> now, that's a whole other segment. It could be a lot of things. That's for tech five after That's hours. for tech yeah. five after hours. <laughs> it could be that one of the things that I hear is that when young people come here, if they don't have a partner yeah. or if someone wasn't from Pittsburgh that was their partner or whatever, that it's a very hard place to date. Ah. Um, oh, I remember you telling me that. And you have a secret idea that you've been working yeah, on. Yeah, I have a secret scenes. idea on that. But, but put that clever. for, another, a whole for other... another conversation. Yeah. So we have that. Right. And then simultaneously. So if you think about this as spinning plates, simultaneously, we also have 
an aging population of people who... I'm not getting any younger. You're not getting any mm. younger. I'm not getting any younger. People are thinking about what it is like right. to retire. People are exactly, working yeah. longer, right? People are working longer. And then there's this conversation that there's 80,000 jobs that need to be replenished. And I say, no. You can do that No. Way, you know why? Because service jobs go away. Okay? Service jobs are going away. We're... One of the reasons we don't have job replenishment, and you look at our at our numbers for new for new um, jobs created, service jobs in Pittsburgh are the first to go away. Absolutely, we have a lot of quote unquote hospitality related jobs, and as you see, the growth of restaurants. But that's a whole different crowd, right? That's a whole, whole different crowd. crowd, and that's a necessary crowd. But the service, the services that many of us might be used to, and even the high touch kind of services, are services that now can be automated. Exactly. I don't go to the grocery store anymore. Lucky you. Whole Foods delivers to me in two hours. Really? In two hours. Whoa. I get Whole Foods and I just have to I'm leave a, a tip. I'm a Prime member. I need to... Yeah. And all I have to do is yeah. just leave a tip. The other day I had a party at my house and I realized I needed a whole bunch of sparkling water and I didn't want to have to go schlep to Whole Foods. Yeah. I had two hours. It was at my front door. We got to talk about this offline. Okay, this so think about this. So life. that's really transformative. Yeah. Gave them a really nice tip. Um, the people there, I think, were students. Okay. And, you know, we had yeah. a chance to chat. I didn't have to carry him from right. the garage into the house. It was exactly. right there. And I was like, wow, this is a whole win. What are those 80,000 jobs? So what are those 80,000 yeah, well, jobs? Well, yeah, what are those? And so those yeah. jobs that we think are jobs aren't necessarily jobs tomorrow. And if you think about the jobs, even in Uber, who would have thought at Uber you need a blending of skills, right? You need a blending of skills. You need people who probably know how to do a little welding sometimes. You need people who know video. Oh, folks working and in, they the, uh, in the advanced technology. Group. And people are working okay. in the advanced technology. They need to know AR and VR. Yeah. How, did you know that? No. Well, no one would have thought about that. Exactly. And did you know that sometimes the AR and VR skills that you need are not necessarily, not necessarily skills you need to go to college for? Well, hmm. guess what? There's also AR and VR happening in healthcare. There's people, there's a whole bunch of technology that is emerging from remote surgery, robotic surgery. Hmm. Look at the proliferation there. So the, the skills that we need for tomorrow cannot be planned out over 10 years. They actually have a smaller window, right. and it's getting, just like technology. It's, and it's getting we smaller and smaller, it's too, getting right? getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. So... T- so but, you know, everyone said 10 years ago, who were the top NASDAQ companies? We, they didn't even exist, right? right. So, well, that's why I always get concerned when we do STEM events and we take kids around to show them the right. jobs of today. I'm like, but it's not going to be that way. When but at least it opens their but eyes. It opens their eyes. And I'm that's all about what that. I right. like. But I'm I, always like, but don't think that this is what you'd be doing because it's going to be way different than right. that. So. Right. But just think of the gaming industry. I mean, how oh, are we totally. preparing people in terms of the gaming industry and the intersection of healthcare? I mean, that is the future of tomorrow. That is the future of customer service. That is, yeah. They, the, um, you know, we are not going to be walking around with Oculus goggles like we see today. They're going to be different. They'll be a little, hopefully, a little trimmer. They're going to be <laughs> a little trimmer, and they're going to be a lot different. And um, it could be that maybe when we have conversations in, in teleconferences, it's like teleporting, and that you really have physical conversations that actually exist. We're not that far away from many of these things. See, now that's interesting. So my point is, is that we, may, we in Pittsburgh, here's our problem. We need to attract people here. We need to attract people here because we have 
infrastructure and capabilities that are far and wide. Right. We can bring people into Hazelwood. We can bring people into Aetna and into Millvale. Absolutely. We need some transportation issues to be fixed, right? Absolutely. Right, right. But those 80,000 jobs are not the 80,000 oh, jobs right. we should be calculating. Right, right, right. We should not be calculating those jobs. Or the idea that you're trying to guide people towards whole industries like that. That, exactly. oh, let's, if we get the people trained and give them these skills, well, then in three years, that means... Right. The biggest skill that people can have is adaptability. Lifelong learning, right? Well, it's lifelong yeah. learning, but it's actually flexible, adaptable. Exactly. And so that you can pick up things pretty quickly. So if I need to weld on the fly when I'm working in the Advanced Technology Center group, but the, it's or it. if you know that you can create a game and yeah. you know how to create, right. you can understand AR and VR. Those are really, really important skills. And if you really have great interpersonal skills and you like people and you like to work with teams, those are skills that are never going to go away For and sure. that we need. Love it, man. Good stuff. Good insight. We need more of that. I'm going to do another "What's on Audrey's Mind" <laughs> in a very near broadcast of Tech 5 Radio. Because these are the things, like I said, we're not always thinking about. Like I said, you're in those meetings, you're behind yeah. the scenes, you're seeing those this, things and you're thinking critically me. about it. No, I, those they, things trouble me. When, when I see the incredible things that are happening here in Pittsburgh, and then I know that we're still flatlined at 1.7 million people, right. and yet you see the intensity of the proliferation of restaurants and, and new kinds of things, we have to support them. Absolutely. That's my rant. Fantastic stuff. Hey, we've got a great show in front of us, Audrey. We have Dimitri Shirey from Deloitte stopping by today. Our guy, Ben Wilson from Rivers Agile, and also talk to our friends at Lending Home. West Coast startup bringing their operations here, doing some really transformative stuff. really cool. Can't wait to get in front of it all. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn more about the Pittsburgh Technology Council by going to pghtech.org. And don't go anywhere. A ton of tech vibe coming right your way. Hey, this is Jonathan Kirsting with Tech Vibe Radio. Thanks for joining us tonight here. And uh, we love using our podcast room here at Nova Place to bring you some segments here on Tech Vibe Radio. We keep saying it gives us brand new flexibility to talk to the smartest people whenever we need to. And one of the smartest folks I know is Dimitri Shirey, who is no stranger to Tech Vibe Radio. Dimitri, you lead up to you lead up Deloitte here in Pittsburgh. I can't say that ten times fast. And uh, you bring the greatest insights around all types of subject matter areas. But we're actually entering some new stuff tonight that I'm really excited about all around the idea of smart technologies. Jonathan, Happy New Year. It's great to be here. Hope 2019 is treating you well. And certainly look forward to sharing some perspectives around what's happening out there in the marketplace around technology. Yeah, absolutely. So Deloitte was at CES this year. Everyone knows that's like the biggest thing in the world when it comes to all things consumer electronics. And uh, all these smart technologies are coming out, really transforming everything across our lives, whether it's how you build a city, how you run your enterprise, how you get your entertainment. It's, it's transforming everything. And I know Deloitte is always staying on top of the big trends that are out there. You're always in the trenches sniffing stuff out. So you can bring that insight to the world and let them know how that's going to impact their businesses and things like that. So I cannot wait to get your insight on what's going on within smart and then just kind of drilling in. This is going to be kind of like a little bit of a recurring, recurring series that we have going on with you guys here, all about all things smart. And I think I'm one of the smartest guys here to help talk about that. So <laughs> absolutely. So, so tell us about your background and your interest in this type of stuff. Well, certainly, first of all, Jonathan, when I reflect upon my youth, you know, I can't help but think about, you know, watching the Jetsons as a cartoon 
And certainly this was during the era of Eisenhower building his interstate highway system, but also President Kennedy calling for a man to be landed on the moon within the next 10 years. Exactly. And, you know, when we walked away from those discussions thinking about flying cars, household robots, and, quote-unquote, a leisurely work week. Well, I want that leisurely work week. Where is that? Unfortunately, that leisurely work week has not arrived just yet. But in some respects, you know, it's decidedly a little bit more modest uh, today. Definitely. But fundamentally, you know, urban life still relies on 19th and 20th century infrastructure. It absolutely does. And, you know, when you think about the novelist William Gibson, he said, hey, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. (laughs) I love it. That's so cool. And I think that when you're looking at smart technology, that is indeed the case. We have pockets that that are evolving, that are developing. And I think the key walkway is to understand that this is about an ecosystem and connectivity through a variety of different mediums that's truly focused on enhancing not only our life, but also how we work. Absolutely. Very, very cool stuff. So I know we want to briefly touch a few areas around where smart is really kind of impacting things. And then we're going to drill into what's happening with smart technology when it comes to how it impacts the enterprise. Okay, give our listeners um, a little tour about what that is. And just to remind our listeners that we're talking to Dimitri Shirey here, who leads up Deloitte in Pittsburgh. So when we look into the future and then we pull out that crystal ball, you know, we really see five key elements around mobility, connectivity, okay. the enterprise cities and entertainment and we're not looking at them as verticals instead we are looking that of them as components in a much broader ecosystem right right, right. it's going to have a significant significant impact on how we work how we live and just our lives in general and so just as a couple of data points when you look at smart entertainment it is expected that by 2020 there's going to be over 20 billion dollars spent on digital video advertising. That's, like, amazing. That's an incredible... Yeah. That's, that's an incredible statistic. That's a lot of video. That's a lot, <laughs> a lot of dollars. That's a lot of content. <laughs> exactly. When you look at, you know, you'll hear it referred to as the smart enterprise or smart factories or smart business. Right now, 37% of companies have invested over $5 million or more in cognitive technologies, mm, okay. and, and that is expected to increase exponentially over the coming years. Oh, that's just going to explode. I mean, how can that not? It's just going to snowball on itself. And just west of us at Columbus, Columbus has raised more than $500 million for a smart city project and wants to build a single digital platform, the city, where all smart city applications can be integrated. And that has to be the exact future where everything is going for every city at some point. I mean, like I said, not evenly distributed, but at some point, everything's going to have to be on a platform for a city. And we can point to other cities in Europe and Asia, similar to Columbus, who are doing the very same thing. And then, of course, you know, something that we are very familiar with here in our backyard is smart mobility, autonomous that's, vehicles. That's Pittsburgh in, in a nutshell that's for that. Pittsburgh there. in a nutshell. Sure. But what's interesting is the level of receptivity that consumers are beginning to accept autonomous vehicles as truly a mode of transportation in the future. At one point in time, there were probably about two-thirds of the population that were adverse to that idea. Right. Now, directionally, it's about 50%. Huh. So there is this increase in acceptance level among consumers that autonomous vehicles and that 
connectivity around mobility right. will be something that will be more prevalent in our lives in the future. Oh, absolutely. So let's dive in deep about how this is impacting the enterprise. I'm, really, I'm always fascinated how you know, business is going to take this and use it to streamline, gain efficiencies, more connectivity, the whole nine yards. What's going on behind the enterprise these days? So, Jonathan, when you think about the enterprise, and quite frankly, when you think about smart in general, we truly are on the cusp of the fourth industrial revolution. Absolutely. So when you think about the three industrial revolutions that occurred before, there was the power of steam, right? there was the power of electricity, and then there was the power of information technology. And all of those reshaped not only the way we lived, but also the way we work. Oh, for sure. Now what we are seeing is we are on the convergence of the physical, the digital, the digital, and the biological, and we like to refer to that as the fusion revolution. And this, too, will have as sweeping implications on society as those three prior industrial revolutions. Uh, I know. It's, it's, it's really exciting to be part of this in this day and age because we're actually seeing this happen. And how it's going to go is pretty nuts. So what are you seeing out there? So in the, in the smart enterprise, you'll hear it referred to as the smart enterprise, the Internet of Things, the smart factory. Fundamentally, what we are seeing is a dramatic way of how, how companies are producing products and services that are being delivered to market. First of all, there is clearly an uptick in the context of what we refer to as co-opetition, where companies are, are collaborating with their peers, of they're collaborating with startups, they're collaborating with government to truly enhance a, a more dynamic product or service than what previously existed. But with that is truly not only information technology, but information technology layered on operational technology. And there are two key themes in there. Yeah, one is what we refer to as the digital thread, and the other one is what we refer to as the digital twin. The digital thread truly is tracking the DNA of a product from its inception right, all, the way, all the way to the end. Okay. But also the evolution during that time period of how it gets better and quite frankly, it learns from itself and other input that it's receiving from the external wow. environment. Wow, wow, So wow. this truly allows for online real-time improvement to the product, where in the past it required cycles or iterations of a manufacturer to have to go through in order to develop an enhanced product or service. So tell us about the twin. On the twin, the twin is actually a digital replication of a machine or a product that actually you can see the, the blueprint of that machine and interact with it on an online, real-time basis, not only with regard to its historical behavior, but its current behavior in order to adjust or modify its overall performance. Said another way, you can now predict when that machine might go down because exactly. of a part wearing out, oh, and you so will be cool. able to get in and do the maintenance necessary, the prevailing maintenance Right, 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 right. In order to keep throughput going. See, this stuff is just so fascinating to me, and I cannot wait to nerd out more about this stuff with you on Tech Five Radio because this is what's driving this. This is the future, and Deloitte's got its finger on it. So, if people want to learn more about some of this stuff, Dimitri, where can they go? To Deloitte.com, like www.deloitte.com, and look under. 
the smart future. The smart future. And we have more smart future coming your way throughout 2019 with Deloitte. And Dimitri, I can't, I can't think of a smarter guy to be hanging out with. <laughs> Jonathan, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Fantastic stuff. Hey, this is Jonathan Kirsting with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Welcome back, everybody. So glad you're hanging out with here on Tech Vibe Radio. And uh, as we've been doing here in 2019, we're making really good use of the new Tech Vibe Radio podcast studios and Huntington Bank's our new sponsor on our podcast studio so happy to have them making this kind of stuff happen and this allows us to grab interviews when we can't always get interviews in the studio and I could not be more pumped up because I have some great guests with us building I'm talking an amazing company and they're doing it right here in Pittsburgh as well as on the west coast so I tell you what really neat company this, 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 these guys are like literally like, we're, we're going to jump into this and I just cannot wait to get into it so uh, we have uh, Matt Humphreys here and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. First of all, tell us about your background real quick. Yeah, so I'm a Pittsburgh guy through and through. I yeah. uh, grew up in Mount Lebanon, a uh, huge Steelers fan. Uh, went to Carnegie Mellon. Actually started started CMU when I was really young, when I was 13 years old. Wait, this is, this, we can do a whole, a whole segment <laughs> on this as far as that is. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. 13 years old, you started Carnegie Mellon University. Yeah, it's a really long story. Uh, the school was amazing. I, I, they let me kind of enter early to study computer science. Okay. And then just somewhere through that path, caught the bug um, to want to build startups. And so kind of started my career here in Pittsburgh, moved out west to California back in t- uh, 2007, um, and have built seven or eight startup companies since then. Just a couple. And just a couple. Sold one for a little bit of money as well, too, right? Uh, well, I mean, had had, uh, had a couple of miserable failures that we learned a lot from, had others that did okay, sold uh, the last one called Home Run back in 20, started in 2010, sold it in 11 for a, a good amount, and then um, and then jumped into found Lending Home uh, towards the end of 2013. Very, very cool. And then, so Jason, you're with us as well, too. You're thinking of engineering. Yes, I am. I just joined a couple of months ago, and wow. I'm really excited to be, uh, be here. So is this your first instance here in Pittsburgh? It's my I, I came a couple of months ago to visit to meet the team, but this is my second time to Pittsburgh, and I'm really excited to be here as well. That is what I'm talking about. So first off, give us the basics on this company, because you guys are really shaking up an industry that needs to be shaken up. I mean, we all know how ridiculously hard it is to get a mortgage and how complex it is, and it's just it becomes it, it's expensive, but the banks don't pay for it. We do when we're getting <laughs> mortgages, and you guys are kind of flipping that around. Tell us the, the, the premise behind what's going on with with that. Yeah, so uh, a few years ago, we just we we looked at the mortgage space and we we saw some things we didn't understand. We thought we could rethink mortgage from the ground up with technology. Really. The focus was three main things. Okay. First, can we make the customer experience dead simple and bring it online? Second, can we lower the cost to close a loan? You know, I think the latest stat <clears throat> towards the end of 2018 was $9,000 cost that um, a bank has to pay to their sales and operations people, their physical retail branches, their yeah. paper process, processes. Can we do that better with technology and more efficient to save customers money? And last, can we build a marketplace? Can we actually help not just traditional customers that uh, can walk into a bank and get a loan, <clears throat> but other customers that actually need uh, need mortgages all across the country. So uh, we did that back in 2013. We started lending in 14, and since then, it's been a crazy growth ride and story. Uh, we're now uh, well over $3 billion lent since that time. 
you think you see three billion dollars and it just blows my mind like that is just ridiculous like how do you scale things this quickly like I mean we see lots of great tech companies here in Pittsburgh and they all have their, their curves but it's just it seems like you have this ability to get this idea and get it up and running really fast yeah I mean I think it comes down to a few things one um, you know uh, have built a number of companies over the years and have learned a couple things of what not to do second um, have surrounded ourselves with an amazing team uh, that scaled businesses before whether that's mortgage whether it's general technology whether it's things in the finance world so we really put together I think the the perfect crew and the perfect formula to really take this to scale um, and I think it also comes down to product market fit you know with technology bringing this online we have a lot of really happy customers those customers tell other customers and we grow the business so it's been awesome and then starting in really 2017 Pittsburgh's been a huge part of the growth story as we started to think about where are we going to go next after just having operations in San Francisco. Uh, Pittsburgh was a very natural choice for us, so I'm, I'm really yeah. proud to proud to expand here and and bring things to the city here in Pittsburgh. Well, tell us about this expansion here in Pittsburgh because that is really exciting to us. When you recognize, I mean, it's more than just you know in Pittsburgh because it's your hometown. Yeah, hey, we're glad you're doing a little prodigal son type of stuff if you know what I mean. <laughs> but to be able to have you come here, like, why why Pittsburgh? Because obviously you can do this anywhere you want, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, so we. Looked and actually, it was a it was a funny thing of how it came about. We actually met through one of our heads of operations, an amazing, amazing group of people that were building kind of uh, innovative uh, an innovative mortgage platform uh, here in Pittsburgh. And given that our visions aligned, we kind of made it one and pulled a couple of those people over uh, into uh, into our company. And then um, and then really, uh, you know, Pat, Amanda, team who who headed up the Pittsburgh office here. Um, we really built out an entire operation around them. So we realized that we could scale mortgage operations amazingly effectively here with great people um, that, 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 that bust their butts every day and work really hard. Um, and then we also, frankly, realized, and this is part of the realization that both Jason and I had, was, gosh, while we're building kind of our operations to help our customers here, Carnegie Mellon, University of Pittsburgh, there's so much tech talent, like literally right down the street. Exactly Why right. are we going to build an operations-only center? Like let's actually build – a full company and a full business here. Exactly. So then we started out also hiring in technical roles, product, et cetera. So we're super pumped to scale just about every role that we have in the company cool. in San Francisco here. Yeah, and what and you know what 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 we what we see here is we can hire people that are already in Pittsburgh and we can also hire people that have gone to other parts of the country and want to come back to Pittsburgh because maybe they have roots here like Matt did. Um, you know, maybe they went to Carnegie Mellon or that family here. And there's a lot of there's a surprising number of people like that that just want to come back here. That's what we want. That's our. Yeah. That's one of our secret sauces yeah. here in Pittsburgh is the fact that you, know, you can come back here and work for a really cool company like Lending Home and, and make a big impact. Uh, that's we 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 definitely agree. I mean, we and we and we look at it and say, you know, from. You know, as we talk to you know, technical folks in the area or operations folks, it's like, you know, we're not here to build, you know, a variant of Instagram and pictures in a feed. Like, we're putting people in homes. So to, to build exactly. tech that influences that and to do it right in our hometown, there's nothing more special than it's that. solving really tough problems as opposed to which party I was at last night. And God, there's, a, there's, a, there's need and space for that, but I just love what you're doing because, A, it's disrupting a market that needs to be disrupted. Everyone knows it's, it's really expensive. It's really complicated and tricky. And there's technology for that to make that stuff easier, more seamless. Absolutely. So that's just so exciting. You, you see these problems, you scale 
Charlotte, and you're like, let's go to Pittsburgh and make this part of our a key piece of what we're doing to make this thing grow. So tell us about your growth plans for here. I mean, obviously, you're in Nova Place. Yeah, yeah, we're. Uh, yeah, how many square feet are you guys uh, taking out here these days? Uh, I think lot. we're. I think we're five thousand currently, yeah. uh, and we're actually just. Uh, it's exciting. We're about uh, a month or so away from taking from about four xing that space or three to four xing that space uh, in the other tower here, gotcha. and that's going to give us room to grow to almost two hundred. So, um, you know, again, we were. It, it's crazy to think that eighteen months ago we were like five to seven people and now 60 ish and busting at the seams. And, uh, we're super excited to grow into the uh, other absolutely 12,000 more square feet or whatever it is that we, that we have in the other tower. So, so we're excited. How does your head not explode <laughs> when, when you're growing that quickly? It's like, I have a hard time bringing on an intern in the summertime. <laughs> uh, person that it's gives stuff to do. You're talking about like, it's, 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 it's really about great people and team. Yeah. It, it all comes back to team. I mean, Jason's run huge engineering teams before everything from his own startups that were, right. you know, three guys in a, in a garage all the way up to multi hundred person teams at places like Skype and others. Exactly. Um, you know, Pat here, who runs operations, <clears throat> has run multi-hundred-person operations and servicing groups in various banks and lenders before. So it just great people, great team, great infrastructure, uh, and just you know you can't do it alone. No, so it's sure. it's all about the team. So Jason, what attracted you to this to this opportunity? I, I think it's a it's a few things. Like one, I really enjoyed the you know the team that I met Matt in particular. Like when when we connected and over the summer, and we had a mutual friend had introduced us. And we, you know, we had, we even had links back to one of the other startups I worked for, a company called Remind in the ed tech space. Um, and so, I think that those kinds of connections are super important. But then the other thing that's that's super important to me is it has to be an opportunity that it's really it's gigantic and it's an opportunity to disrupt an existing an existing business. The first company I ever worked for where that was the case was Skype and I once I got that bug of you know just like annihilating an industry like uh you know like phone companies like I, I want to do the same thing to the banks and and I think that you know there's there's no end of market opportunity here which you know lots of startups they're going after some interesting technology but there's not necessarily a big enough market to justify that business exactly. being around that is not the case here with, trillion, with trillions of dollars to be disrupted it seems like there's some some fun to have in that sandbox That's exactly sure. yeah oh that is so 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 cool so obviously you're hiring here in Pittsburgh can you give us more details about what you're hiring for and what your culture's like. I'm assuming, obviously, it's going to be a great place to work. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be super challenging. But at the end of the day, like I said, when you're annihilating billion-dollar industries. Absolutely. Um, Everything from engineering, building the platform, uh, product management, uh, making sure we're headed in the right direction, building the right things, uh, operations, helping our customers get through those the complexity and getting to their loan at the end of the day uh, effectively, simply, cleanly. Uh, And then also in servicing. Uh, We our entire service operation is actually out here that deals with payment collection and if anything were to go wrong okay. helping our customers out Absolutely. and one of the things with the big things we're doing on the tech side is we're building we're expanding the platform that we use to automate loan origination so like a, it's, it's not we're not only doing it here but we're doing one of the most critical pieces of our technology innovation right. out of Pittsburgh out of Pittsburgh that's what I want to hear and we're almost out of time and one thing we did not cover and I think people need to go to your website to check out is the fact that you are really specializing in the fix and flip zone as far as that goes, and that's huge these days because there's lots of, pro- especially here in Pittsburgh, there's all these old properties people are, are snatching up, rehabilitating them, and getting them back on the market. That's right. Over the last couple of years, we've done. <clears throat> 
different types of mortgages across a variety of customer use cases, uh, we found a really great vertical in what's traditionally called bridge lending or fix and flip, where people are taking uh, older properties, renovating them, and then reselling them new on market. And this is frankly about two to four percent of properties per year across the whole country go that's through this process. Of, that's a lot of, a lot of and, and because in the U.S. new homes aren't really built, I mean, like a very small percentage, this is how communities stay fresh and get revitalized all across the country. So it's a little bit more of an interesting use case. Banks don't do it. And hundreds of thousands of these real estate folks across the country needed a source of capital. And so that that was us. And and again, we became the largest lender for this uh, in just a few years nationwide, which we're excited about. So Matt Humphreys, Jason Vigil, Lending Home, LendingHome.com. LendingHome.com. Go there and check it all out. Here in Pittsburgh, doing what you do. So glad to have you here. You're coming back on Tech Vibe Radio. There's going to be way more for us to talk about. So this is just part one, everybody. Hey, we're taking a quick break. We're coming back with more Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org and fly on over to Twitter at pghtech. Oh, there's nothing better than breaking in the old podcast room for Tech Vibe Radio. What do you think, Audrey? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And I love our guests here, old friends of ours, watching them blossom. I know, man. Like, so they've been on the show a few times before, and every time they get a little bigger, a little better. I know. And they always have new stuff to they're announce. Like growing up, they're like in their teenage years. No, you might be post teenage. You might be. We're just getting out of that you awkward stage. In, yeah. You know, yeah. Right. Exactly. So we have we have Ben Wilson and Keith Monahan from Rivers Agile mm-hmm. hanging out with us here in the Tech Live ah, Radio I podcast studios. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us here. Yeah. This, so this space gives us flexibility. Right. In case we don't make it to the studio on time, we can always zip back over here if we need to, right? You know, <laughs> hypothetically, well, hypothetically sure. those things could happen, and so <laughs> yeah. our backs right. are always covered. Well, the so. thing is, with these guys, I like turn my back, and the next thing you know, Ben's doing something different and better and additive. Well, I really, you know, take the time to make sure that the company's always growing. How could we constantly be improving the company? And the truth is, as a small company does morph into something bigger and better, there's always things to work on. And so that's a constant uh, focus for me. I can relate. And so what are you up to? What do you want to talk about today? Because yeah. you've got well, there's a few focus on a few things. I know. We, when you're growing as fast as you are and having, like you said, 36 people I know. Can you you are, you're doing I something mean, it's, right. It, you know? it has to be you're solving problems. as last time we were here. And, this is, the, and this is the first time, time we've had Keith on the show as well, too. That's right. It's that's always right. been the Ben Wilson show, but now yeah. it's the Keith. And it's not the Ben Wilson show, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, that's what happens to great leaders, right? They learn to delegate and learn to find trustworthy people that they feel comfortable with. And so, Keith, you lead up all the QA, the quality assurance, and that's really been the secret sauce for Rivers Agile. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's a big responsibility, right? And so the company was really founded in the principles of good QA, good solid QA, right? And so even, um, you know, before we uh, started developing software, custom web and mobile solutions, right, we we started with a focus on QA. And so I'm very proud to sort of lead that uh, division of QA and expand some of the services. Service offerings that we that we bring. We think QA, and just tell our listeners real quick what, what QA is. It's when you go through and you find bugs in code, you make yeah. sure that it works. It's got quality to it, right? Well, that's right. Yeah, and so the idea, right, is you know, um, so software quality assurance, right, which is sort of the the official name. SQA is what we do, and essentially we look at software and we try to break it, right. And so, well, you have develops uh, developers that are essentially assembling and building something. There's got to be somebody to test it, and the yeah. idea is. 
is that we have trained uh, QA engineers that are finding these bugs so the users don't find them. And so whether you're dealing with internal users or your external end users, you want that product to be the best possible software that it can be. So when we think of QA, like I do, I think of it as like a continuous process and then it's like a closed loop. Mm-hmm. You come back, you That's keep right. testing it, you keep testing it, etc. What do you, like should I be thinking about you if um, you've not done the work for me in terms of design, but I bring you in and I want you to do some testing? Well, you know, that's actually pretty interesting. In some ways, that's a, a strategic advantage, right? Because mm-hmm. we have no bias coming in. We are only mm-hmm. doing the right. facts. We right. know what it should do. We know how it was described and defined. And we know what the expected outcomes are. So that's in a right. lot of ways, that actually is a, a strategic advantage for maybe a CIO to bring us in, right. having not done the development. Um, so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so really what we're talking about is independent, objective view of the state of the software, right? Right. And so if you really want to know, is the software ready to launch, that's something we can help you do. We can take a look at it. We can identify what the gaps are. We can say, hey, you've got these priority one and these priority two bugs, and this list of bugs you should fix before you're ready to launch this. doesn't my automation stuff just fix all that automatically so I don't have to worry about it? I mean, come on, I spent a lot of money on this. Come on. So, so that's so that's fascinating, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's a key opportunity, and you've been able to build upon your strengths mm-hmm. in development. There, are there some common themes that you that you have discovered? Well, there are, um, and, and you know we've been at this for ten years, and certainly we've no yes. Can you believe we had a ten year anniversary uh, last August? It was it was amazing. We had, I remember when you were a baby. I know <laughs> he's all grown up. Know, over the years, <laughs> yep. you know we've worked with a number of clients, and we've certainly you know built our skill set even more so than when we started. And so um, we actually created a new service offering um, called a QA assessment, and we go into existing QA departments and we help them sort of unpack the day-to-day and where things might be missing. And it's based on uh, a number of key principles that we've defined over the years, and they're sort of standard best practices. Right. And so essentially what we do is we go in in the QA assessment. A lot of times, first off, just to backtrack, when when customers sort of reach out to us, they reach out to us for our QA expertise. That's what we're known for, right? And so they say, hey, I've got a QA problem. Well, a lot of times they don't have a QA problem. What they have is actually a software development problem. Right now, not in terms of you know, in terms of the whole life cycle, the whole SDLC, as we say, right? Um, And so, uh, there's sort of potentially process problems, and so, and because QA is sort of just one phase of that whole SDLC, we take a look at the whole process. It's a more holistic approach, and that's sort of the difference between quality assurance and testing, right? Testing is just one phase of quality assurance, but we're going to actually look at your whole process. So that means we're going to look at like things like your requirements collection. How do you collect your requirements? Do you collect requirements? Do you actually write them down, right? We look at things like, you know, how are you planning your test? What's your strategy for testing and so forth? And so um, we sort of look at five or six different categories of potential problems and we fill out essentially a checklist. And what we're trying to determine is sort of your technical maturity. So there's this uh, capability maturity model, CMMI, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do is we try to figure out where do customers sort of 
fall on that big scale? You know, are they sort of still early? Are they still have, have a lot to learn, or are they far along? Because depending on where they fall on that maturity scale changes um, what areas we might focus on later. And so, we, so you're actually yep. using that maturity model embedded into your QA practices. We do, sure, That's yeah, cool. be, yeah, because you know, a lot of times, right? We may have, for instance, customers ask us about things like, um, you know, um, key indicators, key performance indicators, KPIs, right. when they're really not, they don't even have a good solid pr- uh, process done yet. And so we don't really want to focus on sort of statistics and trying to sort of analyze it from a, a from like a numerical perspective, right. but sort of look at a process. So people who are listening, is there any kind, they might be wondering, is there any kind of technology that is your sweet spot or or not? Well, here's the thing. I think QA can uh, be applied to a variety of different okay. environments. And so you're talking about like the specific tech stack, for instance, exactly. right? And so if we talk about .NET or we talk about Java right. or what, whatever the case is, not really. The same principles um, can be applied evenly across those. Now, of course, you know, the company that you hire, you know, like Rivers, for instance, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that they have some experience dealing with exactly. your stack, right? right? Because there may be some specifics. But generally speaking, no, the process can be applied evenly across. So what kind of experience do you have? So, for instance, experiencing testing desktop applications, mm-hmm. testing web applications. And are these, you know, Angular front-end applications? Do they use Ruby on Rails on the back-end? You know, what's the, the makeup? So just reminding our listeners, we are talking to Rivers Agile here. What was it? RiversAgile.com? It is. it is. Who have just passed their decade I know. birthday. Very which proud we're very sure. proud of. Super cool we're stuff. We're very yeah. proud of. And so what can we just jump for a little bit and talk about I know you're growing, right? So I mean that's true. But talk about you're going to be an exhibitor. You're really getting out there and talking to the world. Yeah, so this is a big change for us. So uh, the reality of it is about 75% of what we do today for our clients um, is within the healthcare industry, right? And so um, as, as that has come to be, it makes sense for us to be an exhibitor at HIMSS. So uh, this is our first year at HIMSS. We're very excited about it. We already have um, some potential clients reaching out to us just based on the fact that we're coming. Um, so... I, I look forward like to it. Rock it's like Oh, sure, of course. <laughs> you like rock stars. I love that. And <laughs> no, it's fantastic. You're also putting yourself out there in terms of thought leadership and QA. We are, right? And so we're involved with um, the Pittsburgh QA meetup. I know. Um, it's I run just... over at Code and Supply, right, by Tara and Stephen. Yeah, it's great. And, um, and we've worked with them in the past and uh, really enjoy just having um, having a place where we can collaborate, having a place where we can learn new things and Definitely. share technology. Technologies and share our experiences, and then also um, learn. And so I'll be presenting there um, on February 13th. But you're going to be talking about the myth of automation. That's in right. QA. That's I right. Mean, can't you really automate QA? <laughs> I think you just <laughs> automate the really whole thing. Happen? Set it, forget it. It's a common mistake, and you know sure. it's it's really easy to get excited my... about. Well, there, there's there's a point in time where it's actually not a good idea, right? You know, if you start off with automation when a project is pretty new, you're going to spend 
spend a lot of your, your time and money babysitting those test cases. Mm-hmm. And then in, in reality, all you needed to get that MVP out or, or next phase out is some good manual testing. That's so, right. And so, I mean, with automation, a lot of times what happens is the normal functional testing that manual QA engineers normally perform, um, a lot of times management seeks ways of trying to speed up that testing, right? Because Do it faster. Yeah. Just have to get to market. It's already done. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Come on. Because it falls in a critical path to right. the total solution. Exactly. Right? And right, right. so they're always trying to speed that up, and I, and I appreciate that. But functional testing, at least initial, first round, where you're actually trying to find the bugs, there's simply no replacement for having humans. And so we sort of advocate having sort of manual testers on that part. And then after this has already been tested, after that functionality has sort of um, become a little bit more concrete, then we start employing automation strategies to do automated regression testing that then speeds up um, detection of regressions that might happen due to code that would be introduced later. And this so is, we advocate for yeah. a mix of both manual and And, and this is why you're growing at a fast clip because you're solving some tough problems, keeping people on track, keeping their software running the way it should because you're getting all the bugs out of it. That's right. For crying out loud. And once again, riversagile.com, Ben and Keith. So great to see you guys. Yeah. So glad to be hanging yeah, out I with really you guys. really appreciate the being yeah. be here. I'm just so tickled. Ten years growing like crazy, solving tough problems. Can't say any more than that. Great, great stuff. Hey, no Tech Vibe Radio under the belt here, Audrey. It's great. It's so much fun to do this. I know. This is why we get pumped up because we get to hang out with Ben and Keith and stuff like that. So anyhow. Fantastic. Happy to be here. we got more stories just like Rivers Agile every single Friday on Tech 5 Radio. Keep tuning in every Friday at 7 o'clock. In the meantime, go to pghtech.org and find out all the ways we like helping tech companies succeed. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Have a great weekend, everybody. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.